Welcome to the One Thing Podcast, where we all get to practice dancing with the one thing that individuals, communities, and countries have yet to try. And in this episode, we are discussing the impulse of life and what it means to make decisions that move us forward rather than backward. Yeah, great idea. <laughs> so let's <laughs> start out talking about the fact that the impulse of life is expansion. And that doesn't mean that we're constantly growing and expanding, but in general, that's the impulse of life. It's, it's always for more life. And um, so th that's just the way things are set up. And so what we wanted to do is just have a conversation and kind of tease some of that stuff out because it doesn't always feel like we're expanding our life, right? It, it, sometimes we can feel stuck or like we're going backwards or that kind of thing. So we wanted to just sort of kind of tease some of that out. The other thing about the impulse is that, or the impulse of life in particular, my understanding, I don't know, David, if you have a, a different way of wording this, but my understanding is that impulse for more life is, is for the purpose of expanding love. Like that's the prime directive beyond keeping the species alive for us as humans, right, is to expand love. And so the impulse for more life is always going to be in service of expanding love. There's a lot of comfort. Did you have anything you wanted to say on that? Yeah, actually, expanding love and, and to just be a little bit more specific, to expand that which is creation. So, you know, creation is based in love. It is, it's an extension of love. Uh, and it's an extension of, of the creative force that is what gives rise to, to all, gives rise to everything. Exactly. Everything we, we, our eyes land upon, our ears hear, everything we taste and smell and, and feel is based in that creative life force. And I'm a creative person. So is David. And actually all of us are, we can't not be because of this very nature. Like we are an extension of that, of life. And so if life has that creative life force and impulse, then so do we. And, you know, sometimes when you mention the idea of creativity to people, they, they right away say, oh yeah, that's not me. I'm not creative because they're imagining, you know, that the only, only creativity flows through canvas or clay or music, you know, the, that kind of thing. And actually creativity flows through the way you prepare your lunch or the way you talk to your teenager or the way you maybe plant some flowers in the spring. I mean, there's so, everything we do is based in that creative impulse. Or the way we do a podcast episode. <laughs> the way we do a podcast episode. Exactly. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of, what's the word I'm looking for? Attention or uh, talk about intention, the word, you know, the idea of intention. And I love intention and I know David does too. And, but there's a distinction between intention and decision. Intention is more like, okay, I, I have this thing I want to have happen and I hope, I hope, I hope it happens. <laughs> but a decision is, this is, this is what is so for me. This is what I am putting forth for my to you know evolve myself through and and into, and it shall be right. So those two can kind of dance together a little bit. But I did want just want to say a little bit about how it it 
it, it behooves us to sort of upshift to the next gear and, and choose to make decisions on certain topics, on any topic that's important to us, rather than just setting an intention, because an intention is a little softer than a decision, which is more, um, I don't know, it has, it has some different roots and can create different momentum, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I draw a distinction among a, a glimmer or a gleam, which is a sense of, ooh, might it not be a cool thing if I, and then fill in the blank, which then the ones that pass muster inside us emerge or, or develop from uh, a, a glimmer or a gleam into an intention. Yeah, I really do intend to do this. And then intentions that are meaningful, that are, that are really going to be manifested, then upshift again into commitments, into covenants, which uh, for me, the word covenant is a level of commitment that is sacred. It's, so, it's, it's between me and source. It's between, between me and my higher self. And those covenants, those of you who, who track my material on accountability, this parallels to accountable account, I'm sorry, accountability capable commitments. Mm -hmm. So there's, it's all well and good to have an intention. And like Lori's saying, it's really important that we're clear about our intentions. And as Lori said, if we stop at the level of intention, if we don't convert intention into concrete, actionable commitments, then all it remains is a, a good intention that never manifests fully. Right. And, you know, maybe some of those intentions are on the shelf, right? Like, oh, someday I'd like to finish my degree, you know, and, but it is, it can't be this year or maybe not even next year. So the intention can live somewhere, you know, in your field. Um, but the things that we want to like move energy around and cause and create new things and, and call in solutions and that kind of thing that I think is under the umbrella of what David just so eloquently spoke about. Yeah. So, uh, and I think it's fair for me to say that we have both found, and you may maybe have found this too, that when we either set an intention or we upshift it into a, a decision or a, a, a capable commitment and that we're going to hold ourselves accountable either with ourselves or with any anyone else or others that it is best to call in life <laughs> into this commitment it is best to call in your source of life or the creative life force or spirit or the one thing i mean this is what we're talking about is that this presence of life that is always uh hovering above us and that we have the the opportunity to allow to sort of descend and wash through us and and be more of us as a vessel or as an instrument of this energy and i have found that every decision that i make with that energy is far more uh, likely to come to fruition than if i forget and leave that part out <laughs> so yeah yeah it's kind of like it's, i was thinking about if i could if I could distill this into into single or double words, the the gleam, the glimmer is ooh, and the intention is yes, 
and the decision, the commitment is I'm in. Right. And you know, this is, that's a really good way of uh, seeing it. It's the same in a relationship, isn't it? It's like, oh, that person is so handsome or pretty or whatever. I want to, I want to have some dates with that person. And then the next thing is the intention is I, I want to have a relationship with this person. And then if one chooses to go to this length, then it's, I'm committed to this person. I'm committed to be all in. I'm committed to walk through, you know, the ups and the downs and in sickness and in health and all those things, because that's the level of, co of commitment one has chosen. And, um, and just to sort of reiterate, lacing all of those steps towards something that's important to us with the source of life invites that impulse of creativity to, to be entwined with our journey of that thing. Yes, and that is the impulse of life. It's, our, uh, it's what grabs our creative juices, our, our passion, our sense of, oh, that, that calls to me, that then leads to intention, which then manifests through commitment. And that, that rhythm is the impulse of life. It is. And saying. then when we're in the midst of the commitment, people like to talk about flow. Well, the continual invitation of the impulse of life as we're walking through the the steps of commitment or we're doing a labyrinth inside that commitment, whatever way you'd want to see that in your vision, you know, your vision, it, it always includes, or it's most effective when it includes this tapestry of, of the one thing of this, the higher presence of life, because it, that, I mean, we've, we just know based on experience that when we forget to include that things are more of a, of a, drudge and they're harder and we get sort of we lose our way and we can't see the next step as easy and you know it, it's it's arduous right but and it's not that it isn't but when we include that energy it still has a challenge to it but it's not the same as it being arduous and heavy and that kind of thing yeah and we've all felt it both ways <laughs> oh yeah yeah i know i have <laughs> i really want to underline that what you're talking about now is the flow of the impulse of life right right and we get to ride you know we're in southern california so we have we have the beach right here and for my entire life i i have been well my adult life i should say equating life with surfing so sometimes when you're surfing, you're paddling really hard. It's really, really hard. And sometimes you're just kind of waiting out in the cold for some action, right? Sometimes the waves are tumbling you in, in them. And it, and it sometimes is a little intense. But then there's the times when we you catch the wave and you're riding it and it is just beyond words, joyful and delicious. And I might have used this analogy before, but that's flow. That's the flow. That's life carrying us. You know, like it, I also like to use the analogy of sailing. The mast is our center. The, the sails are our field. Any good sailor would not go out on, on into, you know, into the open waters with holes in their sails and without things being buttoned up and tidied up and motor in good condition and the mast, you know, well centered and all of that. Um, and then the wind is life. Like the wind is what carries the journey. And that that's the, the same thing that equates to flow in my, in my way of thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what, what that's capturing is that interplay between 
the the guidance and the the momentum and the energy of the universe and me you know i i don't i don't surf as in surfboards but i body surf and i boogie board and when i am in harmony with the waves rather than trying to do it my way <laughs> uh, and then when i catch yeah. the what's that i'm sorry or resisting it because it isn't playing out the way we want it to that, that yeah yeah exactly and and when i'm in that flow and i'm then interacting with the wave the combination of the wave's energy and my dance with it gives me an incredible ride exactly and it carries us it carries us yes in, in, in such a beautiful and glorious way so there's uh, there's some things that tend to be uh, um i don't know what the words we want to use for this but like a little bit of roadblocks or resistance or you know that can block this lovely flow for all of us did you want to did you want to say a little bit about that I do, because that's obviously where we, we have to go next, because, you know, there are times when uh, when we want to be sailing or we want to be surfing or we say we're doing that. And somehow we never catch the wave. Something something's always getting in the way. And so uh, if if we're really going to be riding the wave of the impulse of life, then we we have to what comes with that is a commitment to release ourselves from the past so that we can move into the present and the future. Uh, you know, it's it's like the difference between a, a springboard and quicksand, right? Mm -hmm. You want you want to say something about the the springboard and quicksand? Oh, go ahead. If you if you were going to say something, I can go after you. Uh, well, or it's. Uh, it's just this this notion of with with a springboard if you've ever if you've ever done any kind of diving off of a diving board when you when you're about to to jump or dive you jump down onto the board and the board has spring that's built into it and it propels you upward and then outward and then downward into the water. There's there's a sense of momentum, a sense of grace, a sense of poetry, a sense of ease. Rather and sometimes than, it's messy. Sometimes it doesn't look so beautiful. But yeah, sometimes we do belly flops. Momentum, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's 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 momentum. It's it's propulsion. It's a springboard rather than this feeling of quicksand. This feeling of uh, I'm I'm stuck in the mud. I know what my what my intention is, but I, I'm not I'm not getting there. I'm not moving. Right. So so are we saying then that the the springboard is the willingness to go and let what needs to be released from the past be released? Do the work of rather than running from it or shoving it in the closet or sweeping it under the carpet going, oh, here's a piece here. This could become one of my springs. And when we, so when we do that work and we don't have to go looking for it, it will present itself when it is ready to be released to that much we know, right? <laughs> After living some decades. <laughs> and 
you know, the other thing I like to say about that is we don't have to fear it when it comes up. It, it wouldn't be coming up if it wasn't ready to be released and if we didn't have the capacity for it to be released. So, you know, not to be a broken record, but I don't know how to do that best release without my connection to the one thing, because that's where the actual, the deeper healing with lasting impact happens. And then it turns into a spring, that, that emotional tangle that I've been carrying for 50 years, you know, that gets turned into a spring rather than me sinking in quicksand because of it. Yes, and to go beyond your phrase, we don't have to fear it. If we fear, if we go into fear when, when that which is incomplete or insufficiently digested from our past comes up, then that fear is what's going to create resistance. It's what's going to create the quicksand. It's not the baggage itself. It's not the unfinished business itself that creates the quicksand. It's the fear of it. It's the resistance against it. It's the, um, it's the insistence on, well, I'm just going to willpower my way past this stuff rather than, okay, th something's coming up and I'm going to, I'm going to face it. I'm going to illuminate it and I'm going to follow it. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, the, you know, uh, David Corbin uses the, uh, what is it? Uh, face it, find oh. it, follow it, or something along those things. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could remember off the top of my head. Um, but it, it's, uh, it's the, the part that's crucial to the, to what we're speaking about right now is face it. Don't deny it and follow it. Let it take you to what hasn't been fully harvested yet, what's still holding you back because you haven't turned some kind of prior life experience into the blessing and the gift that it's meant to be no matter how undesired that life experience was or even how unacceptable that life experience was. There's still, go still gold in those hills that needs to be harvested for us to move forward. Exactly, there, there's gold and there's also the treasure of taking a piece of, of old energy that, that was undesirable, as David said, um, or even unacceptable if you were a victim of something and that was an unacceptable situation. It's taking that and it's, I mean, I teach this in the Sacred Health Academy. It's one of the core foundational pieces, which is composting the energy and there's specific ways, you know, to do that. There's lots of people who teach various different ways, but composting that energy so that we can have that energy back for our own self-forgiveness, self-acceptance, and self-love. And that, those are more springs for us as human beings. And it, it you know, just kind of drains the swamp of the quicksand, so to speak. So um, what I've learned is that old emotional pains or traumas or circumstances, while they still live in our body and, and when they come up, they're looking to be released. That energy is looking to be, you know, shifted out of the, the being held as a pattern in us. Um, they and can't either. hurt us in the same way. We, we think, our mind thinks, because our mind is designed to, to protect us so valiantly, <laughs> uh, our mind thinks that that it's going to happen or feel the same way it did the first time it happened, you know, the original time it happened. But it, it doesn't actually happen that way if we're not resisting. So, Right. And the, the other dimension of this that I wanted to be sure to bring up is 
the the tendency to become lost in nostalgia, which I see a lot these days more than I ever have, simply because we're we're currently in such a period of turmoil and uncertainty and confusion for so many people that there's this this longing, this very natural and understandable longing for stability, predictability, organization standards, things like that, the stewarding energy. And in the face of very little stewarding and, and too much chaos, there's this tendency to, to re- uh, I, I, be, I guess the best way to say it is to indulge in revisionist history and to imagine, oh, things were so much simpler. They were so much better back in the 50s and they were so much simpler and so much better back in the 60s or when, you know, pick dating your time frame. <laughs> What's that? We're dating ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, whatever time frame it is that that you might be inclined to get nostalgic about, because there undoubtedly were some lovely things from, I mean, I can think back to some lovely things from the 50s and 60s of my childhood. Uh, and on the other hand, the 50s and 60s were not some idealistic leave it to beaver world, at least not for me, they weren't. And I don't really know anybody for whom it really was that way, even though there were qualities of that. So what we don't want to do is we don't want to go in reverse. We don't want to go back to this this delusion of the good old days. We want to be moving forward into constructing a new good day today and tomorrow and next year and and etc exactly and we string those days together in co-creation with our higher presence and when more of us are doing that we actually have we have a different platform from which to co-create new systems and solutions for our families our communities and the world right we can't do that based on the past. I always find it interesting. I, I, I'm not a history buff and I appreciate history, but I think that in a broader way, uh, what David was saying about being nostalgic, no, no, that's not even the right way to say it. Thinking so much about history and thinking that history is gonna repeat itself is only a half truth. It repeats itself unless we do a pattern interrupt and co-create something different. And if we don't do that, then yeah, history is more likely than not going to repeat itself. And we're a stand for uh, collaboration and co-creation with the, with this creative life force that's beating your heart and pumping your blood right now, <laughs> all of ours, and asking questions like, how can we do this better? What, what would be a higher and more serving way to uh, move forward with this, whatever that this is, right? Right. You know, the, the old cliche about history repeats itself actually has truth to it, but it's not it, it, it's incomplete saying it that way. It's unhealed history, unlearned from history that does inevitably repeat itself. Right. Exactly. And that's not helpful. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, you know, if, if this is your first time listening or if you've listened to all of our foundation, foundational episodes, of which I think this is the last, is, we have one more. It's the next to the last. We have one more we'll get to when, uh, in a moment. And our, our idea is to set this foundation so that we can move forward, always talking about the one thing and 
you as a listener understand what that means because I, I am of deep knowing, and I, I think I can speak for both of us, that if we don't move forward with the one thing, if we don't move forward with our connection to the, the creative intelligence, the field, the unified field of intelligence and possibility and solutions, if we don't move forward, more of us than not anyway, uh, then we're not going to get ourselves across, across this finish line <laughs> into, I don't know how to say this, into, into this place that we know exists in our heart, but we haven't been able to quite get there. And uh, I, I think it's because we, we spend a lot of time in the quicksand, more time than is healthy and more time than we have the indulgence for anymore anyway. Right. And on a societal level, I mean, the last thing that I, that I want to say before we kind of do a teaser uh, to our, our final episode in this foundational set of episodes, unless you have some, some more things you want to discuss before we do that teaser, is that the, on a societal level where we are tempted to buy into the media narrative and the special interest narratives about you know this war between left and right, I want to invite you to be thinking about that tension in society right now, that division in society right now from a different angle, which is the shadow expressions of clinging to the past and propelling into the future. If we go recklessly, blindly into the future, we are asking for destruction. If we cling with terror to the status quo just because it's been the status quo, because the past has been the past and that's the way we've always done things. And if we're locked into continuing to do things only because that's the way we've done them, not because it's really serving to do certain things we've done in the past, uh, continuing to do those things in the future. If we look at the divisiveness in terms of one group insisting on going back to the past because of terror at moving into the future. So we're sticking, we're, we're clinging to an outmoded status quo. Or if he's of tradition. Yeah, because of over attachment to tradition versus another group the other group that's that's wanting to go barreling headlong uh, into the future without really making informed choices and wise choices about this, the future we choose to sculpt and really thinking out what the impacts of, of new choices might be that we're, we're making and moving to the future. The divisiveness is between two equally dysfunctional mindsets status quo addiction or change for the sake of change. And neither of those mindsets are going to get us where we need to go. Right. And you said it earlier, neither of those mindsets include stopping for a breath or two or 10 and doing the healing that is coming up because of what didn't work and what worked and what doesn't look like it will work because it's a repeat of the past and, and, or just a, how did you say, just a, blind forward into the into the future. I want to pull this in because this this will lead in our teaser for our next episode. What I wanted to pull in is the, the 
you know, when we when David was talking about left and right, you know, he was really referencing the political left and right. Is and, but I I think we both and and we're inviting you to consider this too. When we talk about the things we're talking about, it's beyond politics, even though it includes politics. So then we have to ask ourselves. So, so since it's beyond politics and it it includes politics and everything else. What does that mean for each of us as an individual? Well, if we think about the right, um, you know, or if we think about the masculine and we think about the left and the feminine, you know, then we can think, well, what does that represent in our bodies or in our beings? And it's it's like a head heart dance, really, if we if we think about it. So we're talking about bringing head and the heart into a collaborative um, exchange for for high serving choices. Now, there are lots of people who would say you'll never get the right and the left to come together in a collaborative way. And under the current circumstances, it doesn't look that way. But when more people bring their head and their heart together, then there will be more capacity for levels of function and systems, you know, education, political, food, agriculture, all, all the systems that allow us to have a good life on this planet. Um, when they start, when we do that work, then that, that it kind of un, I don't know what's the word, it, it, it loosens up the old systems and allows for new systems to uh, come forth. And so in our next episode, we're going to be talking about transmuting polarities. You know, we're on a planet of polarity, right? Night, day, sun, moon, up, down, masculine, feminine, everything is in this polar dance. And sometimes there's a, we just talked about this, right? There's a butting of heads and sometimes there's a wrestling match and they're trying to pull away the, these energies. And we'll talk about that and the right use of polarities um, and, and how to transmute old energies via the one thing, via our source. Yeah, it always comes down to that. Big shock. <laughs> the one thing is the one thing it comes down to. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So, until next time, remember to dance with your better half.